everybody. Welcome to Hidden Gems Podcast, the show where we like to take a streaming service and suggest some hidden gems on that service. And it's a lot of fun. We do it every week. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel. It's great to be with you once again. And I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. My Thanksgiving was out of this world. Like, I could not have asked for a better few days. I rested and had a lot of food, ingested a lot of media because I'm, uh, it seems like December's just like, I, I thought October was busy, but my God, it's like December's like, put it all there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, especially for me, it is just so busy because not only do we have all the Christmas content, but also have all of the Oscar content because, uh, the uh, associations that I'm in, they have their uh, awards voting in, in in December, so they give the awards out in January, and I uh, I have to have all of the, as much as possible, have the Oscar movies watched by the end of this week, and so, uh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> is, uh, is Belfast in the conversation? Belfast's in the conversation for sure. I saw it last night with my oh, dad, yay. and I loved it. I loved yeah. every minute of it. It's a very uh, crowd-pleasing, charming film. I think I I would be surprised if it if it didn't win Best Picture. I think it. it I mean, it's something. Sometimes movies will lose their their motive, their um, not motivation, but um, uh, their um, momentum. That's what I'm like for momentum. Uh, when you get closer to uh, the awards date, but I feel like right now it's the front runner, and it's just Bel- it's good. Because Belfast won a tip, right? It won the uh, the top prize there. Uh, yeah, I think so. I I'm not sh- positive, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it really does speak to Ken Brana to go from one of the worst movies of 2020 in Artemis Fowl to going to possibly one of the best movies of 2021 in Belfast. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit of a bounce back, I'd say. Yeah, and it's just it's a it's a great movie for the cinema lover in your life uh, because it's a lot about how movies helped kind of narrate the little boy's life and uh, and provide joy. I uh, did a video on my channel where I compared Belfast to Cinema Paradiso, and I think that there's a lot of similarities between the two. So. If you haven't watched that one, I think you'd enjoy uh, checking that out and comparing the the two. So yeah, I'm glad you got to see it. Yeah, Belfast taught me three things about Kenneth Branagh. He's seen High Noon more than once. He's <laughs> he loves Thor, the 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 comics Thor, and yeah. he says something. He directed that movie, and right. he loves him some Van Morrison. Like seriously, there are like five or six Van Morrison songs in here. And I was just like jamming because Van Morrison is awesome. So I, yeah. so when these songs were coming on, I'm like, is that Van Morrison again? All right. Yeah. <laughs> I liked the songs. I felt that sometimes they didn't quite fit the scene that they were in a little bit if I was going to have a, a critique, but they were fun, still fun songs. So. That's fair, but I, I give Bron a credit for not going for the easy choice of doing Moon Dance because every movie that's like what's a van morrison song moon dance it's like that's their go-to like dig a little deeper into the catalog yeah it just didn't seem very irish to me yeah i I can see that but i i dug it Mm -hmm. it was a good movie uh so yeah did you get any other uh movies watched over the holiday weekend 
I saw House of Gucci, and it, uh, and my problems with that movie are similar to when I saw The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Like the acting is good, however, this needs to be like an HBO style miniseries because there's so much stuff in both of those movies. Like just in House of Gucci alone, there's like the stuff with Paolo and geez, Jared Leto, my word, and and, <laughs> and that whole thing. And then there's all the rights, and then there's the Investacor stuff, and every and and just everything just sort of happens. A lot, a and, lot and, going on, and it, it's like it feels like it's given a little bit of attention and it's almost never mentioned again. It, it feels yeah. like if they give this, like, say, like the Borgias treatment, like there was a Borgias series on Showtime that I've seen clips of that was really good. If they really dedicated it to that, maybe like yeah. a six to eight episode series, I think it would have succeeded a lot better. It does seem like the kind of thing that Ryan Murphy would do. You know, like American crime story, obviously Italian crime story, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. like he did with the Versace right. murders, I, I think, or something like that. It seems like it would be perfect for that. Uh, but I had an interesting experience. I went to see House of Gucci on Friday at the theater, and with about 25 minutes left in the movie, all of a sudden there's the siren and the screen goes white and it says there's there's an emergency please evacuate the building immediately <laughs> we're like what well, so what we, we did and there i guess the fire department was there there was some kind of uh fire uh and i didn't see like any smoke or anything or, or my my friend said she felt like she smelled some kind of smoke i didn't i didn't notice that but anyway and in but the weird part is is i haven't seen i've been looking on the theater social media i've been looking on because they evacuated everybody the workers everyone they were like go home and uh and uh, i haven't seen anything on like i looked the watch the local news i just i i don't know you think something like that like a major theater would have something some kind of you know news or something uh, but anyway, so that was interesting. I've only ever been evacuated two other times. One time was uh, when I was watching the movie Room with Brie Larson. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, I, have you seen that movie? It's been a minute, but I, I know the one you're talking about. Well, there's this like really climactic moment in the movie where the little boy is uh, has to jump uh, out of this truck Mm-hmm. and uh and it was literally then that it that the screen cut and and i mean wow. i was lucky because i had already read the book and so i knew what the story was and otherwise i would have just been like ah. you know like what because it was just like they built it built it built it built it and like got you to the ledge and then out uh, but that one we did actually get to start again and they didn't I think it was a false alarm so we were able to start it so all's well that ends well but that was intense it was such an intense spot to leave you at you know mm-hmm. and then the other time that I got evacuated was actually when I went to see Avatar with my brother <laughs> oh wow yeah <laughs> I forget where in the movie it was but yeah we got evacuated out and <laughs> So we were, we didn't get to see the rest of Avatar, uh, but I think I went and saw it. Uh, I, I'm not sure with him because I was visiting my family, but anyway, I eventually got to see the rest of Avatar. <laughs> but it's an it's a wild experience when it happens. It's very surreal. 
Well, two things that I will say is number one, the theater that's about five minutes away from me, it opened in 2009. The first movie I saw there was Avatar with my dad. It was in, <laughs> it was in the big theater before they turned it into an RPX. Like that's how old I am, kids. And uh, and number two, uh, I know someone. He's a friend of my friend who's a teacher. They take uh, they take like pulling fire alarms very seriously. So if if it was like legit, then they would pull it. Like. Like and and if it was a false alarm, then someone was probably getting so so I imagine yeah. that it would have been pulled for a pretty serious reason. Yeah, no, I think it was. I mean, I don't think that they would have evacuated all of the employees if it wasn't uh, if it was you know something like that. Anyway, it was it was an interesting experience. You know, get to see that every day. And of course, like the sad part is you immediately go to oh my gosh, is there a, you know is there a shooting? Is there you know what is happening? Oh, yeah. um which is sad that that's immediately kind of where you go but there it is uh so i don't know the i, I mean i know the end of house of gucci because of, of of enough kind of what i've read from other people and stuff but but uh, i didn't get to see it so i wrote up just a little paragraph uh but i didn't put it on rotten tomatoes because i, I didn't you know because a lot of people said oh the ending is very good but i think it's like true to life i think that's what happened mm-hmm yeah so anyway, there you go. <laughs> that was an interesting experience. <laughs> but we are today, which one, which service are we talking about today for Hidden Gems? We're going to be talking about Canopy, and this is episode six of Canopy. And this is low-key my favorite streaming service going. It's, it's I've, if I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's one of those services that is just you can go on it and you can find like the smaller movies that you may not have seen. Like I, I live in Port Orange, Florida and we're a pretty small ish city. We're not huge, but we're not small, but we're not really that privileged enough to get like, say, you know, Parasite. We didn't get Parasite until six months after it got released. So they're very slow on the draw. So with a service like Canopy, it's great. Not only is it free, you can get it with a library card, but you can get, smaller movies and world movies like french and japanese kind of stuff you can get they they're slowly adding more documentaries on there and the history channel stuff uh the chosen which i'm not sure rachel if you're familiar with that but uh durbin is covering a lot of it like that show's on there now oh is it i didn't see that that's great i've had it in my watch list forever and i've been meaning to get to it but i just never have if there's I have to one, finish season two, but I really liked season one. If there is one point of concern that I have been seeing, it's that they've been slowly adding more, like, more popular stuff on there. Like, I believe in the last episode I mentioned The Terminator was on there, which I love The Terminator, but why is it in the same service as, like, an A24, like, kind of thing? And just in this time, I saw The Silence of the Lambs in there, like, the Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster, like, that one. And I love that movie to pieces. It's one of my favorite horror movies. But it I don't know. It kind of makes me feel like it's going against Canopy's like mission of finding smaller things. So I, if it's an attention yeah. thing, fair play. But I mean, at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. It just weirds me out a little. Yeah. I mean, at least both of those movies are very important movies. Oh, sure, sure. You know what I'm saying? So that may be why they say, you know, we're going to we're gonna have them 
because they made like a real difference to cinema. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. And there are movies on here like Chinatown. I mean, we all know what Chinatown is, so I, I'm not arguing it there. So yeah. It's it's a very fine line. Right. Because because some because some very popular movies were also trailblazers. So it's like, what do you put on there for like the film student, but also if you want eyeballs on your site, what else do you put on there? It's it's a perfect balance that they're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you go first? What, what is your first pick? So my first choice is from 1940, or I'm sorry, 1958. It's a submarine movie and it is called Run Silent, Run Deep. Uh, this is one of my father's favorites. He and I watch it all the time. It's one of those where it's like my dad's like, hey, Run Silent, Run Deep is on. I'll be right there. Like, it's one of those types. Uh, it starred Clark Gable and Burt Lancaster, as well as Jack Warden, and a couple of other really famous character actors from, like, the late 40s through the 60s. Uh, it tells the story of a submarine captain who gets, who gets his sub destroyed by Japanese U-boats, or not U-boats, but submarines. And so he gets called back into action and is out for revenge. And he tries to, to disguise this mission as more of a fact-finding kind of thing, but his second officer, played by Burt Lancaster, kind of catches on pretty quick that this is more of a revenge mission than an actual, like, we're just trying to do a job here. Um, this is... This was directed by Robert Wise, who I've brought up a lot on this uh, on this show. He's one of the more versatile directors I've ever seen. He can go from directing something like West Side Story to Star Trek The Motion Picture to something like The Old Dark House and everything in between. He was like an expert at jumping between really dark stuff and light stuff, going from sci-fi to musicals and just everything in between. And he did it well. And Run Silent Run Deep is a movie that, that, for understandable reasons, it's a bit obscure. It really doesn't get a ton of love nowadays, but I think it really should. Because there's a lot of great submarine action, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a verbal battle between Clark Gable, who was on a bit of a downslope from being the number one man in Hollywood, but still good, and Burt Lancaster, who was on the ascent. And the two just having two generations like going at it with each other. It's, it's really great stuff. And this is a submarine movie and there's a lot of submarine drills. However, you get the point of, okay, he's making sure these guys are prepared because when you're on a submarine, you gotta have a fifth, sixth and a seventh sense because anything can happen out there. And at the end of the day, this is, this is a really underrated war movie and I think more people should be aware of it. Yeah, I have never heard of this movie. I, it sounds really fun. I, I had never, until you put it on the list, I had never heard of it before. Yeah, they, uh, they go after subs in the Bongo Straits. That's literally the name of, of where they're going <laughs> in the movie. It, it, it makes me laugh every time because it, it's like, we have a mission in the Bongo Straits. And it's like, uh, the Bongo, are you sure you don't want to rename that? It's like, how, it's like how in the new Godzilla movie, they talk about the nuclear test on the Bikini Islands. And, and my lizard brain's like, it's Bikini. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't, like I said, I had, like, I feel like most of these kind of movies I've at least heard, even if I haven't seen a, and, but this one, I had never, I had never heard of it before. So that's a perfect pin gem pick. Very good. All right. Well, my first pick is one of my favorite movies of this year, actually, that's already on Canopy, which is exciting. Um, it's a movie called Together Together. And I feel like maybe some of my picks I might have mentioned, I don't know, I get, I've lost track of kind of what, <laughs> whether, uh, what, what podcast I talk about what things on, but this movie, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And it, it's, it's very rare that you get a story about platonic friendship, platonic love. And uh, that's what you get here. You have Ed Helms, his character. He is a single man who is having uh, decided to have a child. And so he has, a, there's a woman that via surrogate uh, is having his child. And so it's their story. Uh, the Anna and Matt are their names. And they're sort of going through this experience together, becoming friends. And I just loved it. I thought the script was so great. And I really thought their friendship was was wonderful and uh, I actually liked it so much that uh, my friend Elisa Lucas who studies friendship for her job she is actually a communications professor with uh, her research emphasis is on friendship and so every month for Hallmarkies podcast Elisa and I we have a series we have a, sh a show called On Friendship where we discuss usually a Hallmark movie uh, from the perspective of friendship. But this one, because it was about platonic friendship and that's so unusual, I decided that we should talk about it for one of the episodes and we had a great discussion. I'll put a link in the description, but yeah, it, we had a great discussion about friendship and about the movie and she loved it and I loved it. It's definitely will end up on my top 10 of the year. I really thought it was good. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, you can watch it on a canopy for free. You do. I remember... Maybe it's because I went to a really technical college, but I don't remember, I don't remember a class on friendship being offered. And yeah. I'm not trying to make fun. I was just, I was just thinking to myself, wait, her job is to analyze friendship? <laughs> yeah, she's a communications professor and she teaches, she teaches a whole class on unhealthy friendship or she talks about lying and, 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 and uh, other things like that. And yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I've, I've yeah. been involved in one of those, so I can definitely see the benefit <laughs> of having a class on that. Yeah. As far as this movie goes, I remember seeing it, I remember seeing it out, but I believe it was only in like in my luxury. And it was just at the time where I was just I didn't just, I just didn't have the time to see it, but now it's on Canopy, so I have no excuse not to now. Yeah, I think you'll like it. It's, it's very sweet, very charming, and has a good heart to it, so I, I recommend it. I think, I think you'd like it, so uh, what is your next pick? So my next choice is a mockumentary. It's from 1996, and it is called Waiting for Guffman. Uh, this is directed by Christopher Guest, and it is a, it, like I said, it is a mockumentary. It tells the story of a Broadway director named Corky St. Clair, who has relocated to the town of Blaine, Missouri. And Blaine, Missouri is one of those towns, like, if it existed in the Cars universe, like, it would be that town where you would get bypassed just to save 10 minutes of driving. It's like, the ultimate like small of small towns 
However, Corky is looking to finally make his big break on Broadway because he was there. However, he took his art a little too seriously. I, I won't go too deep into spoilers, but there's a bit of a plot where he mentions that he did a version, I believe a retelling of the Great Chicago Fire, something like that. I, I haven't watched it in a while, so I'm not entirely sure on all the details. But anyway, he set the theater on fire for ambiance sake. And that's a pretty big no in the Broadway world, in case you didn't know. This movie has no right to be as good as it is. And I watched it on a complete whim because I was trying to watch all of the movies released in 1997. And I got all the way up to the first week of December. So I got pretty close. However, this, this was released in like late 96 and I, and I didn't know about it until I was done with it. And I was shocked at how good it was. Not only is Christopher Guest in here, but also Bob Balaban's in here. Catherine O'Hara's in here, who is the mom from Home Alone, among a bunch of other things. She's fantastic. Uh, Eugene Levy, who I believe is in that one show on Showtime. I can't... Schitt's Creek. He's yeah, Schitt's in, Creek. And so is Catherine O'Hara. Oh, really? I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, Fred Willard is in there. It's stuck to the gills with, like, comedic character actors. And the mockumentary style can be a bit of a gamble. However, they really do make it work. And you just look into these people's lives and realize that you're lucky you know them from a distance, but if you were to actually know them, you'd probably stay far away from them because they're they're low-key kind of creepy. But but to, to Is the this movie, your first um Christopher Guest comedy? If you've I, seen um, Best in Show or or Mighty Wind or No, hey, I have not. Listen. Okay, good. So you are you are entering a joyous time because <laughs> they are so good. I love his movies. And Best in Show is one of my favorite comedies to ever exist. It is so hilarious about this dog show. And he has the same sort of troupe of people that he uses over and over again. All those people that you mentioned are in all of his. And, and the thing that's amazing is they have, I think it's like 60-40 of a uh, script versus improv so like a lot of the movie is improv and they would work together mm -hmm. and <laughs> they're the best i love reading for Guffins so much it's so funny uh <laughs> and i think it might have been their first time working together and and then they did like i said uh best in show and mighty wind which is all about a um, a uh, reunion of um folk uh folk singers folk band oh. and then uh which is really good and then they um they have one called for your consideration which is all about <laughs> it's 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 the least funny of the ones but it's still funny and especially as a critic now i i i uh i think it's especially funny it's a katherine o'hara plays this actress who is in this uh movie and they have this uh, this oscar campaign for her and the movie starts out it's called oh, it's called Home for Purim, which is a Jewish holiday. And by the end, it just gets whittled down, 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 down. And by, and it ends up being Home for Thanksgiving. And and Ricky Gervais is like this this agent person. He's so funny. And he's, <laughs> he, he's trying. He's like, I don't know. That's very Jewish. You know? and he's like very, and, uh, it's Ricky Gervais. So, of course, <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, and Jennifer Coolidge is, is like, like, 
why don't you call it home for Easter? Everyone loves bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not how Easter works. That's not how any of this works. It's very funny. And so, yeah, I love waiting for Guffman too. I love how it's just so sweet and so sincere, but also hilarious. And mm -hmm. I feel like everybody knows a, <laughs> a theater geek who's like, who could do this, who we could picture. <laughs> yeah. I know I could. I, I remember sure. watching, when I was watching this for the first time, I was like, I know about three of these people. Thankfully, they're nicer than this, but I know about <laughs> yeah. three of these people. Yeah, yeah. Just thank God, so, that, thank God that most movie characters are like people you know, but with like the volume turned up to 11. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they also have, they have, this is Spinal Tap, but that was actually uh, directed by Rob Reiner, but it's mm -hmm. kind of, this has the same crew of people and it's the same idea of like a mockumentary. Uh, but then Christopher Guest would then kind of get them all together. Uh, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration. They did one for Netflix. I never saw it called Mascots, but I should watch, finally watch that. But anyway, there. I mean, this is Spinal Tap is hilarious too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. It's been Have a you minute. seen that one? It's been a minute, but I did see it. And yeah. <laughs> Every time they the drummer gets struck by lightning, I <laughs> They get stuck in their little like cage thing in the jiggers when they're entering and <laughs> the whole gimmick where they're going to the stage. They're like, hello, Cleve. Oh, this is not the stage. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. And Fran Drescher is in This Is Final Tap. She has a memorable little role. And so, of, course, of course she yeah. is. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, good choice. I love that movie. Uh, so my next pick is it does, it's pretty popular in a lot of circles uh but i still think it counts as a hidden gem is sing street and sing street is a movie that i love and adore from 2016 this is by director john carney and john carney loves writing uh movies about music and in particular uh, musicians and he has uh once which is wonderful lovely little movie and then begin again which is which is still good but not as good as his other two. And then Sing Street. And Sing Street, I just love so much. It's basically about this teenager in uh, Dublin, and he has to go to this new school where they're really rude and <laughs> terrible. And he meets this girl, and he wants to impress the girl. And so he tells her, he says, will you be in my music video for my band? And she says, okay. The only problem is, is he doesn't have a band. So he has to make a band with his friends. And the songs are so good. They're incredible. And it's just, it's so sweet. I love the romance. I love the, the I love the relationship between the boy and his brother. I, I love uh, Jack Rayner as his brother. It's so good. And uh, I just, it's one of my favorite movies, not just my, one of my hidden gems. I love Sing Street so much. <laughs> yeah, this was one that I heard about, but it never got anywhere close to me because I, I think we got an opera around that same time. And I well, heard it got it, it got caught up in the whole Weinstein mess, unfortunately, because it had been, it was released by them, had been produced by them. Oh. And, and so that's part of the problem was it didn't get the, you know, 
campaign that it should have because it was right during the the mess mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. sucks because it deserved it deserved more it's like it's like that in wind river like wind river is an awesome movie and nobody talks about it and you brought up the whole weinstein thing i'm like oh yeah that did happen yeah. around the same time at the very least sing street should have been nominated for for best song i mean ridiculous and that year was the year of la la land so in moana so i'd understand those getting in but there was a song by sting about a chair that got picked over sing street and i will never forgive them like wait we're talking about like the police like that that's- yeah like that sting there was a song about a chair then beat out sing street i was so mad i still am mad it's ridiculous Yes, so there we go. <laughs> but it's a great movie. I I love it. Absolutely love it. So you should see it. So what's your next pick? So my next choice is going all the way back to 1931. And this is a movie that I reviewed for Scary Mania. I knew of its reputation, but when I finally saw it, it was like, I get it. I understand why. It's called M. Uh, This was directed by Fritz Lang. It's a German movie. And uh, M is widely considered to be the first movie revolving around a serial killer. Uh, I'll say up front that this is not exactly an easy watch, taking aside the black and white aspect and the fact that it's it's all in German. So that might be a little like, I'm not reading no subtitles, but Uh, There are some people out there. However, the content can be very troubling as, uh, as Peter Lorre, who is, who was a great actor, like from the twenties through fifties and beyond, like he essentially plays a a child murderer. So there's, there's a meaning some people are like, no way. But if you give the movie a chance, it is incredibly well made. Fritz Lang uh, made Metropolis, which I've also recommended on this show. It, it was so inspirational to so many directors from like Ridley Scott to George Lucas and everywhere in between. And not only is M widely considered the first serial killer movie, but it's also could be widely considered to establish the first like crime procedural movie. Like the movie all revolves around a manhunt. And of course we all know what a manhunt movie is. This is kind of like the Manhunt movie Rosetta Stone, if you will. And um, it also, the movie also works when you consider the fact that Fritz Lang was kind of a jerk. So, uh, and treated the actors very badly. There's a particular scene where Peter Lorre is like, is in pain. And because he, he had to do, he had to do this one scene where he fell down the set of stairs 10 times. Now you fall down stairs one times, it's terrible, but you have to fall down 10 times, like you can only imagine. And some of the acting, you can't tell if it's really Peter Lorre just being like, I'm so done with all of this, or if it's the character. It's, it's a bit of black and white. So if you do watch this, I recommend a good amount of caution. However, I do recommend it. It is a piece of horror history. Like 1931, was such an excellent year for horror. Dracula, Frankenstein, and also M, all in the same year. Like, it was a loaded year. I Another one I had never heard of. I had not heard of this movie, so that's very interesting. Uh, it sounds like a, a, an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, definitely 
of its time. So more modern cinephiles are going to be like, uh, I don't know, but trust <laughs> me, give it a shot. It, it is, yeah. it like, it's, it's far scarier and it's social commentary is done better than like half the horror movies I've seen this year. So that really says something. Yeah. Interesting. Well, my next pick is a movie that we actually, I actually, the next three movies are movies that I talked about on the Criterion Project with my friend Conrado. So if you want to check that out, you should, we had some really good discussions. And this one is The Red Shoes is my next pick. And this is from 1948. And this, amongst cinemaphiles, this is very popular. It probably wouldn't be considered a hidden gem, but I think amongst the average population it it was be less known um, but this is a really good movie if you like which i know you do if you like movies like whiplash i think that you would like this movie um, because it's about this dancer who is being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and she wants to be the, the greatest dancer uh, that uh, and but then she falls in love and so then she's sort of forced of like what do i do do i do i give myself to the dance or do i or do i let allow myself to be in love as well and uh, and so it's it's absolutely stunning the dance sequences are, are really beautiful she has these red shoes that kind of have powers of their own in a way and uh and so the dancing is incredible cinematography is really great uh it's a uh, beautiful movie and uh in, it's a long movie it's maybe a little a little too long but i still definitely recommend it it's very good Oh, you know me. I love me some whiplash. I mean, yeah. that, that movie's kind of the reason why we started this whole thing. Right. So, so it's, so anything related to it, I'm immediately interested in. Yeah. I mean, it's not like directly, but just in the sense of like obsession yeah. and how, how, how much do you give yourself to something like that? So I think, I think you'd like it. Yeah. Even though whiplash is an original idea from Damien Chazelle's head, like in a certain way, everything is inspired by something. So like right. you could really say that nothing is truly original. It's like the characters can be original and the story can be like, or the premise can be original, but just the core story is, can be like interpreted or reinterpreted from some other thing. It's, yeah. it's the quality that really matters ultimately. Right, yeah, absolutely. So what's your next pick? So my next choice is a miniseries from 2012. And like I said, Canopy started to add more uh, content from the History Channel, which can be a bit of a mixed bag. However, this is one of their, this is one of their better series. And it holds a lot of memories for me because I actually watched this as it was coming out. It's a series called Mankind, The Story of All of Us. And this is a bit of a spin-off of a similar series they did called America, the Story of Us, which is all about American history. And instead, they cover everything from the Big Bang up to about 2011, 12-ish. So they cover a lot of ground. However, I think they do a very admirable job of trying to cover just everything that happened in the human race and um. not lingering on one thing too long, but saying, this thing happened here, which led to this thing happening here, and like the invention of like copper into tin, and then tin and steel, and so on and so forth. Uh, the series is narrated by Josh Brolin, which considering the fact that people know him today as Thanos, the guy who wiped out half of humanity, it's rather ironic for him to narrate a series about humanity. Right. 
think that's a bit ironic, but he does a great job. He's he's got a voice. Like the voice that, that he has is just excellent. And ultimately I what I love about this show is that the talking heads are good and it touches on like it gives you a little bit of everything. It doesn't just focus on like one period for a really long time, jump and then focus on another thing. I legitimately learned stuff from happening. Like I remember there was this one Chinese emperor, I can't think of his name, but he took Mercury because he felt like like that would keep him immortal. It wouldn't, but it was fascinating. But under his watch, gunpowder was invented. So much like most things in life, bad things happen, but out of the bad, a lot of good can happen as well. So it's ultimately yep. up to us what we do. with it. Yeah, I saw the American one of that uh, but i know i've never seen this one and the america one was like a tiny bit gimmicky it had like a lot of celebrities and stuff like donald trump i remember was on there and oh yeah like that, that. Was, that was before the whole president thing and yes. that's like i at the time i was like oh that was the guy from monday night raw oh those were <laughs> the days but anyway that's neither here nor there yeah, it had Trump, it had Hugh Hefner, it had just some weird people. Oh I yeah, the Hefner was in that one. <laughs> I, I own the DVD. I have not watched it in years. I, I really should watch it again just to, just to see. Yeah. Like, not, not, like, not like make fun of the history or anything, because like, that can be a whole different thing, but just how the show was put together. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see this, this other one, for sure. Uh, so, interesting pick. Well, my next pick is called The Black Stallion, and this is definitely, I admit it, it's a stretch for Hidden Gem, uh, but hopefully it's kind of old enough that maybe some people have missed it, but this is one of the most iconic family films to ever be released, and uh, it is about a young boy who gets to become friends on a ship with a black um, stallion that's a wild horse, and then they get shipwrecked and they become friends. Uh, then they help help each other survive until they, they are rescued. And they have just this very powerful bond. And it's a you know beautiful story. It has a really, really famous score. Uh, the, the music is very well known. I think it won maybe even best score or cinematography. The cinematography is beautiful. Uh, but it's a great movie. I mean, it's 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 the standard by which all boy and his horse or boy and his dog uh, and an old yeller kind of the the standards that all other movies you know that have been released since are uh, gauged by. Uh, it's it's great. Yeah, I I've always heard about this one. I just have never seen it. I keep confusing that with. This one other horse movie, I think Disney did it. It was like Flicka or no, it wasn't Flicka. Oh, my friend Flicka. Yeah, that that one, mm -hmm. yes. Well, and then there's others, there's others, National Velvet. That would have been before this. Uh, um so there, you know, there's some others, obviously, because this is 1979. But this one was is very, very famous. So yeah, you should it's if you get a chance, you should check it. It's really good. But uh what is your last pick? So my last choice is probably going to be my most controversial choice uh, on my list. It's from 2017. It's a horror movie called It Comes at Night. Now, when this came out, I think this was my first real exposure to, like, people being divided, like, in terms of, like, 
like people either loving it or absolutely hating it. And as usual, I can understand both points of view. It's weird, you know, when it, when people say a movie is divisive and I can actually, like, and I actually watch it, I can understand both points of view. I can't say like, oh, one's clearly in the wrong because I guess I have an understanding that like all movies are subjective and people will watch one thing differently than the other. That's how it is. However, I guess I fell into the love it side of it comes at night because atmosphere is really the key here. It tells the story of a family who is hiding away from a hidden disease. The, the disease is never really explained. However, it contributes to people actively going like going crazy. And so the movie, the movie is a good job of balancing of the, is there actually a disease or is it like some kind of cabin fever? Or maybe it could be both. The movie has truly disturbing dream sequences. Like my mind was blown when I first saw this. And I was like, this movie stayed with me for quite a bit. And like I said, I can understand because there are people who actively just do not like this movie. They think it's slow and boring. And I can totally understand why. However, this is one of those movies where I just, I was like, I think I need to turn on some lights when I get home. Like, it, it's <laughs> one of those kinds. Yeah, I remember it being really controversial and having a very low cinema score. I remember that. I I have not seen it, so uh, <laughs> I'm a wimp. I wouldn't, <laughs> a horror. I wouldn't be surprised if it had, like, an F cinema score. Like, yeah, I think it like, does. Like, like, oh, it does. I'm pretty sure I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's one of those ones that they had an F cinema score. Uh, I think so, but uh, it, it had a low one. I remember that. It was definitely very, very low. Right, right. Very interesting. Well, my last pick is a interesting movie uh, from the history of animation, which of course you know that I love animation. You and uh, this is the <laughs> this is the oldest surviving animated film. Uh, it's called The Adventures of Prince Ahmed by uh, a Danish uh, director named Lodi Renninger. And she used a very interesting technique where she would uh, she would create silhouettes with paper. And she would cut the, the paper and then move it around to create the animation. And uh, it's really pretty impressive. I think someday they should make a movie about her because, I mean, she is, I mean, they're always looking for female directors. And here you've got the first major animated film that, uh, or the first animated film uh, that's still survived. And her and her friends making these movies. I just think she's a really interesting person. But the movie itself is kind of, it's the Arabian Nights, it's Aladdin. Um, and the way that she uses, she actually uses color because she puts color behind the silhouette, a colored paper. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you, you see the silhouettes move and you get the whole story. And it's, it's really creative and really uh, still fun to watch. Uh, and uh, I, it's you know just barely over an hour, so uh, it's and it basically like I said, tells the Aladdin, the Arabian Nights story, and uh, it's it's really fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I was actually watching uh, when Marnie was there. Spoiler alert, uh, cheap plug. I've got a, a review coming up. Uh, if it well, by the time this is up, it will already be up. So watching that and thinking about how like the animation was done in 1926, 
just thinks about like wow just how far technology has come just from like how crude that sounds like from the adventures of prince Ahmed to when marnie was there it just it seems so surreal to think about yeah i mean it, there really is a, a quite a journey and you can uh, see how influential uh, Lottie Renninger was, uh, especially in stop motion world and uh, for studios like uh, like Ardman and like people like that. Uh, you can see the, the influence and it certainly was influential on Disney uh, at the time. And uh, so, yeah, it's just fun one to watch. It's safe to say that this movie walked so other companies <laughs> could run. That's right. That's right. So there we go. We did it. <laughs> Our recommendations on Canopy. There's so much good stuff on there. So make mm-hmm. sure you take a look and let us know what you've been watching on Canopy. Yeah, Canopy really is a treasure trove. Like there's something mm-hmm. for everybody there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Um, I want to thank everybody for uh, checking out my Encanto review. That review blew up. I like It's either close to 50 views or is about to be at 50 views, which for my channel is just nuts to think about. So I thank you all for checking that out. Also, uh, throughout the rest of November, which is just a couple days, I'm going to have reviews up for when Marnie was there. I just have two Ghibli movies left to review by the end of the year. One is that earwig movie that nobody likes so pray for me for that and uh and nausicaa of the valley of the wind which oh. is strangely like is weirdly not a ghibli movie it's like it is but it isn't it, it's it's weird are you gonna me. do um uh castle cagliarosa the um lupin movie uh no i i think i will do it in an isolated but um mm. but i'm just bouncing it based off of their wikipedia page just off of works and then all of them listed there that was that one is um miyazaki's first feature that he directed but yeah it's not technically studio ghibli but it's pretty fun if uh... considering that he's coming out of retirement i definitely will have to be reviewing <laughs> it now yeah Cool. And uh, as far as the rest, I got a Daniel Craig Bond review and ranking video that has been long delayed, but it will be out. And then all throughout the month of December, it's going to be my series, The 25 Reviews of Christmas. I'm going to be reviewing 25 Christmas movies in 25 days. First couple of reviews are Christmas in Connecticut, It's a Wonderful Life, The Scrooge movie starring Alistair Sim, and White Christmas. So oh, it's like I'll- my greatest hits list. <laughs> So That's a lot a, of, a really lot of Christmas fun going on there. I've got my decorations all set up. I don't know if you all can <laughs> yeah. see them back there. My stockings are just kind of lolling off to the side, but they'll be up, they'll be out. It's it's about to be Christmas time, so a lot of fun. Also, I'm venturing out to do collabs with the Suit Up Geeks, and I'm going to be defending my trivia championship in an action movie battle coming up and doing collabs with Brevin Spleeks and Games and Jacob Martin. So a lot of stuff going down. So if you want to check me out, please do. Definitely check it all out. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and Unrotten Tomatoes. So check that out. And also make sure you check out the Homeworkies podcast. Got lots of fun stuff going on over there. Uh, we have like nine episodes this week, which is 
bananas, but I'm excited. So make sure to check that out. And, <laughs> and thanks so much, everybody. And we will, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.